Welcome to today's Church Central podcast. We're a family of churches across Birmingham. To find out more, head to churchcentral.org.uk. If you remember, we're spending the summer in the book of Psalms, and a big part of what we're doing is inviting the whole church on this journey of reinvigorating our prayer lives. The best part of two and a half thousand years now, the Psalms have been teaching God's people how to connect with God and abide in him through all the challenges and trials of life. So we've been dipping into a few of these incredibly rich songs to help us worship and pray and talk to God and sing whatever we're going through. Don't know about you, I love the way these different Psalms give us a way bigger view of God. And the Psalm we're looking at today, Psalm 8, It certainly does that. It's all about the majesty and greatness of God. While you're turning to it, let me just recommend a couple of books to you. First of all, if you've been enjoying this series in the Psalms, this book by Timothy and Kathy Keller, My Rock, My Refuge, I found this particularly helpful through this year, just reading a psalm a day, dipping into it, getting a few devotional comments Uh, from the Kellers. Uh, If you want to get deeper into the Psalms, thoroughly recommend this book to you. Uh, The second one, uh, Hot Off the Press, uh, God of All Things by Andrew Wilson. Um, uh, Bite-sized chapters, uh, reclaiming ordinary small details of everyday life and using them as a springboard to praise for God. And I found at least a couple of the chapters in this book uh, really helpful in my preparation for the talk. Uh, here on Psalm 8. So do grab this book and read it if you can. Okay, all that being said, let's dive into the psalm today, Psalm 8. Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, your majestic name fills the earth. Your glory is higher than the heavens. You have taught children and infants to tell of your strength silencing your enemies and all who oppose you. When I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place, what are mere mortals that you should think about them? Human beings that you should care for them? Yet you made them only a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You gave them charge of everything you made, putting all things under their authority the flocks and the herds and all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, the fish in the sea, and everything that swims the ocean currents. O Lord, our Lord, your majestic name fills the earth. Now, right at the very outset, probably needs to be pointed out that in the Bible, names are way more meaningful than they are in much of contemporary Britain today, where, let's be honest, most people give names to their children simply because they like the sound of them, but they don't really give a second's thought to the meaning of the name, do they? In the Pitcairn Islands, in the South Pacific, it's a little different. They've given the most literal names, not just to people, but to places. And so if you uh, were to walk around the cliffs on the edge of the islands, there are places called Johnny Fall, Dan Fall, Nelly Fall, Tom Off, Minnie Off. (laughs) There's a place that somewhat ominously is called 
Oh dear. My boggles as to what on earth happened in that place. And it sounds funny to us, doesn't it? But there are many cultures around the world that still function in that way. Names carry a lot more meaning, and that is certainly how it is in the Bible. In the Bible, a name kind of represents a person's whole character and something of their history and their identity. It's like a person's name provides valuable insight into who they are and what they're like. And so when David launches into this psalm by saying, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth? He's not saying, I kind of like the sound of that name. No, he's saying, you are truly excellent and majestic and weighty. Your essence, your whole being is precious to me. You are unthinkably glorious. In fact, the opening word of the psalm, I don't know if you noticed, is the name of God. It starts, Lord, our Lord. Lord, all uppercase, is his name. And Lord, lowercase, is a description of his status or his role in the world. He's the master, he's the ruler, he's the king over all. And really, the rest of this psalm, it gives us a sense of why it is that the name of God is majestic and excellent. It's because, verse 1, his glory is higher than the heavens, And yet at the same time, verse 2, he has established a stronghold against his enemies from the mouths of children and infants, silencing his foes. And that contrast is really at the heart of the biblical picture of God. You may or may not be a believer yourself, but this is at the very core of what Christians believe about God. He is so high. He is so lifted up that his glory is higher than the heavens. And yet at the same time, he is so present. He is so accessible to us in and through the person of the Lord Jesus that even children can know and praise him. He's so high and yet so low at one and the same time. He is utterly other than us, shining brighter than the sun, and yet he comes so close to us that even infants can declare his praise. Theologians speak of this in terms of God's transcendence and imminence. Up there otherness and very present closeness at the same time. God's name is majestic because he's praised by the cherubim and the children. He is glorified in the planets and the playgroup. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And as we're going to see, really, that is the logic that underpins the rest of the psalm, especially verses three to four, where I want to spend the rest of our time 
today. David says, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you're mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? In other words, God, when I look at the sky, I am absolutely staggered by how powerful and how glorious you are. And then I I just can't get my head around how you know who I am, let alone that you care for me in the way that you so clearly do. It's this fusion, it's this coming together of the very high and the very low that we've just seen in verses one and two. David's saying, when I look at the sky, it makes me astonished. It leaves me shocked flabbergasted that you should exercise any care whatsoever over someone as small and seemingly insignificant as me. Now just to illustrate this, think about the sun for a moment. I guess you're all familiar with his work. When you get too far away from the sun, as they do in Antarctica for a few months every year, the temperature, it suddenly plummets to minus 70 degrees. We need this thing. It's absolutely vital for our lives. But it's 93 million miles away. And it takes like eight minutes to get there. Like, Like the sun could have disappeared when you started watching this talk and you'd only just be finding out now if all the earth with everything on it was the size of a pea then the sun is the equivalent of 75 meters away and the nearest star is in New Zealand you could fit 330,000 versions of the earth into the sun Every second, the sun is belching forth energy at an astounding rate. More energy is produced by the sun in a single second than human beings have collectively generated in our entire history. 90 million, one megaton nuclear bombs coming off the sun in energy every second. It's losing five and a half million tons of its own mass every second. That's the equivalent of a million African bull elephants flying off the sun every single second. When you think of the scale of the heavens, and this is just one star, how magnificent is God? David didn't know any of this. He was simply looking up into the sky and marvelling and realising that the God who created that was mindful of him. And that was almost too terrifying to understand. Yet, he's not only been mindful of us, he deeply cares for us. And although he's made us a little lower than the angels, he has crowned us with glory and honour. But that's just the start of it. Let's just step back a moment and consider something even greater. This is a picture of the Horsehead Nebula. Light travels at 5.88 trillion miles per year. It takes 1,600 years to get from the Horsehead Nebula to us. And so this is a picture, not of what it looks like now, 
This is a picture, get this, of what it looked like 1,600 years ago when the Roman Empire was still around. If it had disappeared at the time of the Roman Empire, we'd only just be finding out now. You know, I think it's fair to say that human beings are pretty impressed with the things we've made. Cars, the internet, vaccinations, iPhones, breakfast cereals, films. We're quite proud of the things we've made. But I think it's also fair to say that when you look at the Horsehead Nebula, you find yourself aware that you are dealing with a creator of a wholly different order. Lord, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you're mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? Now let's step back a bit further. Look at something even greater. This is a picture of the uh, creatively named Ring Galaxy AM0644-741. This Ring Galaxy apparently is formed by a collision between two different galaxies. What happens is that when galaxies collide, they kind of pass through each other and the individual stars don't very often come into contact with each other because there are such large spaces between them so the shape of this ring is caused by the gravitational disruption caused by an entire small galaxy passing through a larger one and that causes this wave of stars to cascade out like ripples on a pond the uh, kind of blue ring you can see in this picture is 150,000 light years wide. So it takes light at 5.88 trillion miles per year. It takes light 150,000 years to travel from one side of it to the other. And it's made up of stars that even astronomers call extremely bright and massive. David didn't know any of this. Neither did Isaiah when he said, look up into the heavens. Who created all the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. Now look, the fact that we know so much more than David or Isaiah surely increases the scale of glory that is due to the one who created it all. The Ring Galaxy is 300 million light years away. You travel at 5.88 trillion miles per year for 300 million years and you will finally get there. And in a smaller side in Genesis 1, Moses says, he also made the stars. By most estimates, there are more stars in the sky than there are grains of sand on all the beaches and deserts in the entire world. People debate by how much depends on the estimate, but a factor of 20 or so more stars in the sky than there are grains of sand on all the beaches and deserts in the world. And if that doesn't blow your mind, if that doesn't make you feel small enough already. There are more atoms 
in one grain of sand than there are stars in the sky. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Now let's step back a bit more and look at something even greater. Actually, this is my favourite one. Scripture says it shows us the majesty, the glory, the beauty of God more clearly than anything else. You ready? Here it is. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you're mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? David had no idea how large were the heavens and how far away was the sun and how numerous were the stars. And nor did he have any idea how far God would go to show his mindfulness of humanity and how much he would care for us and how far he would go to crown us with glory and honour and restore us to the place of privilege and dignity that he had created us for, yet which had been ruined by sin. David had no idea how far God would go at this point in time. And yet he could still use these things as reasons to praise the Lord for his excellent name. How much more can we? How much more can we with the cross behind us and the galaxies above us give thanks to him for setting his glory far above the heavens and demonstrating his love and care for us in that while we were still sinners Christ died for us. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you're mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You've made them a little lower than the angels and crown them with glory and honour. You, you made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim in the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth.